Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding. We're a couple of bird brains looking for adventure and some birds. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. Yes, I am. And we bring you this podcast to share our adventures with you and talk about random thoughts on other birding topics. Just a couple of disclaimers. We're not experts, and if we discuss any controversial material, we hope you'll keep an open mind. But also remember that what we discuss, they're our own opinions. And this week's episode, we'll be talking about our recent trip we took down to Key West in Cuba. So Hannah, do you have any birding news this week? Yeah, there's some interesting stuff this week. Um, that Zenaida dove that was down in Miami, it's still around, um, even though the most recent report on eBird was from Monday, August 6th. So a lot of people have gotten their fill with uh, photographing it, but it's still hanging around as far as we know. As far as we know, yeah. I guess uh, we should have taken that extra drive while we were touring down before the cruise. Yeah, to get it. Um, we mentioned the eBird update last episode, but we wanted to give you a couple more details about it. The taxonomy update began on the 14th, and it's still continuing today, uh, the 15th. We both got one armchair bird, which was pretty exciting, I guess. It was Mexican duck, I believe. Yeah, even though it's kind of deviating from the AOS checklist, but eBird's... Eber's doing their thing. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we love it anyways. Also, if you haven't had a chance to check out the most American, the most recent American Birding podcast with Nate Swick, we definitely suggest that you do. He interviewed Dr. Drew Lanham, and they talked about diversity in the birding community. And in my professional career, I've had a lot of conversa- conversations about the same thing, and that's something that Eric and I have discussed a lot uh, during like long car rides. We've talked about diversity. Yeah, hopefully in the future we can get together with like Outdoor Afro or uh, Latino Outdoors and, you know, make, try to find a way to make birding more inclusive and like more representative of the communities in which it takes place in. Yeah, exactly. And as part of this podcast, and as we become more invested in the birding community over time, we've, like I said, we've talked a lot about this with each other. And also, um, we've tried to talk with others about what we can do to bring birding to everyone and to make sure that everyone feels welcome and um, included to participate. And we'd like to hear what you think. What do you do and what do you think the birders could be doing to create a more um, inclusive and welcoming environment to others? Um, but possibly the most interesting news that we thought was uh, something we also posted on Facebook the other day about the Great Blackhawk sighting up in Maine. This was the second ABA record, um, the first being back down back in April down in the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, it was crazy. I saw some pictures online of the underwing covert pattern showing that it's pretty much the high likelihood that it's the same individual that was sighted down in April. So it flew... From the Rio Grande Valley all the way to Maine in the last couple months. That's incredible. And our uh, friend Javi Gonzalez was the one that photographed it in the valley. Yeah. And Well, he's, he saw it. And Alex... Lemoreau. Lemoreau. I want to say. Yeah, he, he's the one that actually um, photographed it. Okay, but that's still an incredible trek that that bird took. And that yeah. we can figure out that it's the same individual. That's, that's amazing. So getting into our trip, uh, we were in need of a vacation, and fortunately we live in Florida, so naturally we decided to go on a cruise. Yeah, so we got online and started looking through the different cruises that are offered uh, right around this time frame, kind of looking at our price range, and saw that uh, Norwegian Cruise Lines had one coming up uh, going to Cuba. So we booked it. 
And we've cruised with Norwegian Cruise Line before, and we loved it. Uh, there's lots of activities. There's good food. This one had free booze. They do what's called freestyle cruising, so you don't have to sit at a table with a bunch of people that you don't know if you don't want to. There's still the option to do that. Um, but it's just, it's a lot more open to activities. There's a lot going on, and that's that's kind of how we like to live. Like Hannah mentioned, they, they do like a freestyle type of cruising, so it's not like what a lot of people think of. Where it's just a bunch of old people riding around on a boat. There's, it's it's more exciting than that. You've got other other things going on, and we we've gone on cruises, uh, a couple different cruises in the past uh, to Mexico and a couple in the um, in the Caribbean. I feel like cruising is like really the only type of vacation where I can relax too. Yeah, she's not kidding. Vacationing with Hannah is exhausting. It's go 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 nonstop <laughs> the whole time. When we flew into Singapore a few years back, uh, we arrived at midnight. And we got to the hostel just a little while after that, and then Hannah, she couldn't sleep, so at 6 o'clock, we got up and just started burning. And we just <laughs> ran around all day until it was it was well after sunset before we finally got back to the hostel again. Well, we had limited time to see new birds, and I paid a lot of money to see those birds, not to sleep. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> However, um, some of my favorite parts of the cruise was actually relaxing and uh, going up to the top deck at night when it was when it wasn't so bright from the lights, and just watching the stars. It's been so long since we've seen a dark sky that that was a real treat for us. Yeah, it was pretty good. But um, I guess some basic details on the cruise that we went on. It was a four-day trip um, out of uh, uh, Port Canaveral. Which is uh, just outside of Orlando. Yeah. Um, it was on Norwe the Norwegian Sun, which is one of their smaller ships. It's not the smallest, but it's a smaller ship. It holds about um, a little bit less than 2,000 guests. And it made uh, two stops, um, one in Key West and one in Havana. And these two stops were pretty much party stops for a large portion of the cruise yeah. participants oh yeah but we instead of getting off the ship and partying we decided to just drink that free booze on the ship and uh do the birding while we were off the ship yeah and eric doesn't dance anyways so we didn't do any of that <laughs> <laughs> uh so we boarded the ship uh on monday and i quickly uh opened up uh the ebert app to save some uh some checklists for any possible pelagics that we might see uh while we were cruising um, we left the left the port um, in Port Canaveral right around four o'clock. Uh, wave goodbye to nobody, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we were off to start drinking and eating and drinking and eating um, the whole afternoon until the evening. Since uh, the next day, it, we weren't going to arrive into Key West until it was into the afternoon. When we, About one o'clock. Yeah. Um, and plus, that wasn't going to be ideal birding for us anyways, but we did have a couple of target species that we were looking for at Key West. Yeah, the white crown pigeon and the elusive, super elusive, Antilia nighthawk. Spoilers, it's only elusive because we dipped on the nighthawk. Yeah, but the white crown pigeon was pretty easy. Ebert had it on the target species um, listed. I think it was right, right around 40% so um, within that county, so we were pretty confident that we'd see it. Confident and correct. We saw the pigeon within five minutes of getting on, off the ship. So we spent the rest of the time we had at Port Exploring Town. We rented a couple of bikes, and that helped us get around town a little bit quicker. Yeah. At, at first, I had my doubts about renting the bikes that maybe – I felt like we'd walked so much that maybe the bikes weren't going to be useful, but I was wrong. Again. <laughs> it was way more beneficial to have those bikes. We were able to get places way faster and 
walking was too hot. <laughs> Riding the bike was cool. Um, we took our speedy bikes down to the southernmost buoy marker, and we didn't stand in line like all of those other suckers. We just stood a few feet in front of them and took a selfie with it. So Yeah, just we kind were- of off the side of the street, just out of the way, but... We weren't waiting. <laughs> no. Nah. I, we had things to do. We we positioned ourselves so you couldn't see the people standing next to it. They were also taking their picture. It was <laughs> it was ingenious. I'm so smart. <laughs> uh, and then we went down to Hemingway's house, which I, everybody told us we had to go see it. It was amazing. It was a beautiful house. And we also had to go see all the six-toed cats because we're cat people. Yeah. And so we did that. Um and it, it was a really pretty house. I mean, the way it's uh, landscaped is just gorgeous. I think it would be a pretty good migrant trap uh, during migration. And then we ha- headed over to Fort Zachary Taylor State Park, which was right next to the dock that our ship was at. Yeah, and it was it was pretty hot when we got there. There wasn't a lot of wind. I wasn't too enthused. <laughs> I was I was sweaty, like nobody's business. But uh, as soon as we got there. We Hannah looked up and she saw a couple birds uh, flitting around in some of the um, Australian pines that were right at the picnic area. Um, the first ones that caught our eye were a few American red starts uh, jumping around, and there was also a black and white warbler right in there. Yeah, and they didn't really seem to mind the kids screaming and all the people having fun and wandering <laughs> around just underneath the trees. Yeah, seriously. But the one bird that was pretty skittish was a few minutes later we saw an immature white crown spe- or white crown pigeon, white crown sparrow, an immature white crown pigeon. <laughs> we f- we found it on the Fort Overlook Trail um, along with some like big giant lizard. Yeah, it was huge. Um, we posted on an iNaturalist, which told us it was a northern curly-tailed lizard, which is actually an introduced species to southern Florida. Yeah, it. It seemed big, but just because it was kind of out of place. And, like, I'm, I'm not a biologist or anything, but just looking at it, it didn't look like it belonged there. Oh, um, it was, like, three or four times bigger than than what? A, uh, a, than a, a red knoll. Yeah. yeah. Pretty big guy. Um, anyways, like Eric said, it was hot, and we wanted to explore some of the other highlights of Key West since we had never been there. I wanted to eat. Birding makes me hungry, and I couldn't wait for the ship's buffet. <laughs> well, I didn't uh, want to go straight back to the ship because we didn't have a whole lot of time there, and like I said, we'd never been. And I wanted a piece of that key lime pie from the place where it was invented. And Eric didn't try any, so he'll just have to take my word for it yeah. that it was delicious. I'm Definitely not, stop in and get some. I'm not much of a sweets person, so, you know. But you gotta do it. I guess. I should have. Um, but Hannah talked me into a, a nacho from Sloppy Joe's also, so that was pretty good. But uh, we shouldn't have got any Sloppy Joe meat on it. It was too much sugar for me. <laughs> but it was it was, it was was still pretty good, but I, I'd stick with the original nacho. And did we forget to mention that there were chickens all over the place? Yeah, seriously. Chickens everywhere. Red, red jungle fowl. Domestic red jungle fowl for our, <laughs> for our checklists. Yeah, but they were, they were everywhere. I, I'd read about chickens uh, being let loose all over on Key West, um, but they were significantly more pervasive than I thought they would be. But uh, I was hungry, so we hurried up and dropped off those bikes and went to go get that nacho. And after lunch or dinner, um, we headed back to the ship and went up to the deck to await sunset uh, when we were hoping to catch a few nighthawks flitting about. And unfortunately, no nighthawks that night. But there were a lot of white-crowned pigeons flying over to another island, which we had no idea what it was looking at the map. But now, now we're checking uh, Google Maps, and it looks like it was Mule Key, possibly. Yeah, I think so. That, that looks like the direction they were headed. But these were the only adult pigeons that I even had a chance to try to take a picture of. 
And so I did, and they were terrible, terrible pictures. <laughs> but you could see the white crown on a couple of them, so that was, I guess, diagnostic. Oh, and we didn't even mention the couple pelagics that we saw heading uh, towards the island. What what did we end up seeing? What we saw. City turns, right? We saw a handful, yeah, of, city a handful turns of city turns out there feeding, and then two great egrets yeah. that were just flying right over the water. And we were still a couple miles out to sea. It was quite a few miles out to sea, I think. Like the, the little map on the cruise had us. We, we had to have been at least like fifteen miles. I don't out. think we could have seen. We couldn't see land. No, from there. we couldn't see land. And there was two great egrets just flying. Right I think they were flying to the Bahamas. They must have been. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, that was our Key West birding. Uh, the next day, we were to arrive in Cuba for our Cuban adventure. Yeah. So Cuba was pretty cool. When we got into port, it was it was really entertaining for me. <laughs> I mean, the 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 pilot boat that was there, they were trying to get the mooring ropes over to the dock, and they were just cussing and screaming at each other. The guys on the ship, the guys down on the boat, everyone was just yelling. I think I think they were having some sort of communication issue with where the ropes are supposed to go. And it was, I, th- I thought it was humorous and I was entertained. Let's just say that Eric is an engineer at heart uh, because he's watching all that. And I'm looking at the Cuban Martins that were the first lifers that we had gotten at Cuba because they were right at the pier. Um, as we were docking, they were flying all over the place. And I'm trying to figure out what they are. Eric's watching the pilot boat. Yeah, but I was excited about the Martins too. But the- <laughs> I figured the Martins are there, the pilot boat's going to leave in a few minutes, so I, I might as well enjoy the pilot boat while it's here. But you've seen pilot boats before. <laughs> well, I've seen Martins too, and the Cuban Martins pretty much looked identical to purple Martins. So you got your Cuban pilot boat. Yeah, my Cuban pilot boat. There we okay, go. Okay, check that Life one list. off the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, after, after the excitement of the Martins and the mooring ropes, uh, we headed down to catch the bus for the tour that we'd booked. And we were headed on an 11-hour excursion with Havana tours to go to the Vinialis Valley uh, to learn about tobacco farming and about the rural culture of Cuba. Yeah, I guess we should mention that uh, we choose to we chose to do an excursion like this um, rather than hiring a specific bird guide because there had been some changes in the OFAC requirements that the United States government has um, with travel to Cuba, and mostly because I'm over overly cautious and had a hard time finding a lot of information on how to choose um, booking something uh, with something other than the cruise. And the cruise had things that were guaranteed to fall within uh, the allowable activities. Yeah, because we have to keep a record of at least for five years of the activities that we did there in case we get audited somehow. I don't Yeah, I don't know know who's going to audit us. It seems a little vague. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyways, I tried to get in contact with a few guide companies beforehand anyways, just to see what we could figure out. Um, I had some trouble getting anybody to answer me, um, or they just weren't available to to do a single day trip in the middle of the summer. Yeah, so... So the OFAC requirements, they've, they've been around for a while. It's not its not a brand new thing. But um, back in November 2017, uh, President Trump um, removed a few of the options for travel to Cuba. Um, as far as I understood, the visa um, of that Americans traveling to Cuba, you can travel. There's a handful of things, but typically people travel under um, person-to-person cultural experiences. And there used to be both group and individual and the change in November eliminated the individual person-to-person cultural experiences. So trying, I'm not entirely sure on it. Not if if some listeners know some better things, it would be yeah, nice let, us know let us know. You know more. Yeah, but um, it it sounds like 
with without having the individual um, person to person, you can't just hire um, Joe Schmo Bird Guide through email. You you have to hire a company that's vetted through the OFAC. At least that's what we understand. Yeah. Um, so even though, <laughs> even though we didn't book an excursion with a bird guide or one who specifically knew about birding, our guide from Havana Tours, his name was Lazaro, um, he was extremely knowledgeable about pretty much everything in Cuba. He had been a teacher for a long time. His English was fantastic. Um, the tour with him was great. Um, he was a little bit of a birder, which was a requirement with Havana Tours. They had to take a birding class and, and pass that to be a guide with them. Uh, so, you know, it was pretty much a win-win. We got the cultural experience that was required of the excursion, and our guide was able to help us find a couple of birds while we were out at the National Park. Yeah, he had a lot to say on the two-hour uh, two hour drive over to the Vinales Valley. Yeah, he pretty much talked the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that was two hours there, two hours back of nonstop information. <laughs> Uh, not bad at all. No, no. It, was, it was fantastic. Yeah. And we specifically selected the Vinales tour because we thought we had, we'd have the greatest chance of seeing, um, some nature on that tour and the highest potential of seeing birds. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the Vinales Valley is a UNESCO heritage site, which that immediately piqued our interest. But um, the UNESCO site gives a description of a karst landscape encircled by mountains and dotted with dome-like limestone outcroppings called magotes. Uh, the valley has fertile soil, which is the whole reason why they grow so much tobacco down in that area. And then um, it's used for crops and raising livestock. And the agriculture that's done in the area is primarily done through uh, traditional methods. Which means ox and plow, which we saw a lot of. Yeah, a lot of a lot of manual labor. Yeah. Picking things by hand, using using animal labor to to do all the different tasks. Yeah. <laughs> Big change. Uh, before even leaving the city of Havana, however, on that drive where we were driving through town a little bit, we got a tiny glimpse of another Cuban specialty. It was a Cuban emerald. Yeah, that was exciting. That was exciting. I wasn't quite sure we were going to see one. <laughs> uh, it's a medium to largish endemic hummingbird, and it was just sitting on the power line in the middle of a residential district, just like, just like it was a ruby-throated. Yeah, just chilling out. Yeah. Not like it's special or anything. <laughs> Not like it's an endemic that we've I never know. seen. Like, doesn't it know that? <laughs> yeah, so, um, anyways, on, on the drive, uh, we got about three quarters of the way out there, and we had a pit stop to use the restroom. Uh, everyone got to get out and stretch their legs a little bit. Um, um, well, actually, before that, right before we got to the pit stop, um, Hannah was, oh, was that an Annie? She just point, looked out of the window. Or an Annie. An Annie. An Annie. An Annie. Yeah, Hannah pointed out a, a smooth-billed Ani, and I, I missed the first one we saw, but as luck would have it, I stared out the window for like <laughs> for like five more minutes, just nonstop, and then another one went by. So, essentially, we had two smooth-billed Anis, but she didn't see the second one, so it was kind of a... We each saw one. Yeah, we each saw one. There were different ones. <laughs> uh, but once we got... Anyways, once we got to that rest stop, um, Hannah and I used that time to kind of uh, do a little bit of birding while we we're walking around. Uh, a bunch of Antillian palm swifts, another lifer for us, uh, flying around the rest stop, uh, just trying to catch all the bugs out there. And then uh, there was a couple uh, uh, kingbirds too, right? Yeah, but we never got a good enough look to determine what those ones were. Yeah, there was there was a handful of different kingbirds uh, 
that are pretty common in that area. Yeah. Um, we got back on the road after that short stop and headed onwards to the valley. On the drive, we spotted a couple lifers like Cuban blackhawk, Cuban blackbirds, and greater Antillean grackles. And we also saw some common things too, like black neck stilts. And then there are a lot of American kestrels. I was yeah. surprised since we don't usually have those in the south, really, during the, the summer. They go north. So, know why they're in Cuba. Yeah, I don't oh. know. They must have... I need to research that more. I guess so. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I've, I've ever mentioned it before on this, but uh, I get motion sick pretty bad. So um, I get sick when there's bad smells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the road, once, once we left the main highway and we were starting to head into the, um, up into the valley, it was, it was pretty windy and it was pretty rough for me. I uh, basically had my eyes closed for about half of that, so I didn't get to enjoy a lot of the view. And I don't get motion sick, like Lucky I said, you. just uh, I get sick from bad smells. <laughs> so I was able to enjoy the drive a bit more. Um, it was absolutely beautiful. Lots of small farming operations of rice and corn. There were rolling hills, um, just sections that were just gorgeous. I couldn't think of anywhere else that I've driven that's quite like it. Almost like driving through, um, what, central California with those rolling hills, but not nearly as high. I guess so. But there were also the big cliffs, like the big limestone cliffs and Well, stuff. I'm talking about before that, before we got to the mountain. Oh, I see. Yeah, just rolling landscapes. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Um, just grassy as far as I could see. A Vinealis, it's uh, just on the side of a on the other side of a plateau or a mountain from Havana. I don't know. We crossed a really high peak, but it wasn't quite like a mountain. It was just like a giant hill. Hmm. I don't know. Um, we went <laughs> high up and then we came back down and there was the town of Vinales. Our bus dropped us off at a museum. Uh, the guide gave us a tour discussing the history of the area, included natural and cultural, uh, just gave us some insight into the state of Pinar del Rio. And afterwards, he walked us to the little town square so everyone could go tour the town by themselves for a little bit, which uh, we decided not to do. We decided to barrage our guide with questions. <laughs> yeah, because he, he had mentioned something about birding a little bit. And so we thought this is a great opportunity to just like corner him and <laughs> figure out what, what he knows. Um, so we were staying there talking to him a little bit and uh, let him know that we're birders. And he, he kind of got excited. He asked us what um, book we're using. We, we told him... Uh, there was the the Birds of Cuba book that we have, mm -hmm. and he got pretty excited about that because that's the book he uses yeah. for his field guide. So um, he started he started going on about a couple different birds, and one one that he got pretty excited to tell us about was uh, the Cuban solitaire, which he thought we'd have a pretty good chance at seeing at one of our stops a little later. Yeah, and that's an endemic, and it wasn't really even on our radar yeah. when we were looking at the birds that we might see. It's not colorful or anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I figured, you know, going on this trip, there wouldn't be a whole ton of birds that we'd see, but more than anything, we would just get an idea of where we want to come back to and how we can make the most of our uh, Cuba exclusive trip. And the Vinales Valley is definitely a place we need to return to. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely gorgeous. The little town that we were in... I assume that town was called Vinales. Yeah, Vinales. Yeah, it was just, it was tiny, but there were signs all over the hotels and the restaurants saying TripAdvisor recommended, you know, <laughs> Lonely Planet. So, and there were a lot of tourists there too from, yeah. I think, mostly Europeans. Oh yeah, definitely Europeans. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's being visited by people. Yeah, just not Americans. No, not yet. Um, yeah, so our next stop um, was like just right up the road from there. It was we probably could have walked. We could. We should have walked. We should, we, 
he should have just had us walk, but it, it, it wasn't that far away. Um, it was this little small uh, tobacco farm where they showed us how they uh, how they dry the leaves. They had a big the big drying barn, and uh, then how they choose the tobacco leaves for cigars. Um, and then one of the older men there, um, he actually just picked a whole whole bunch of leaves out of his bag and rolled up a cigar to show us how how it all works. And then uh, we bought a couple and left left with a bundle of cigars. Yeah, we got those. And I feel so stupid because I didn't know that a cigar is solely made of tobacco leaves. I thought it was like a cigarette where it has paper and, you know, I don't, not necessarily a filter, but it was just amazing to, to learn how that whole experience works and to watch him do it from somebody who, that's what he does. Oh, and he, he, and he, he was a master at his craft. It was just, he, his hands were just moving like, like water. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we really smoke at all, but it was just, it was interesting. It was oh, very definitely interesting cultural experience. Um, so after that, we headed off to lunch at an outside restaurant. And if you've ever been on a tour like this, this is, we went on a um, tour to Lee's, I think, where we had the same experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, and when we were in um, Malaysia, it was the same experience. They sit you down at a restaurant. Your whole group is the only people, you're the only people at this long table in a restaurant. And uh, it's just a tour guy or tour group. And they bring you food and more and more food. And it's giving you a cultural experience. And so that's that's what we did. So if you've ever been on a tour like that, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, they, they feel kind of awkward, but... A little bit. <laughs> yeah, but it was really good food, even even if it was a little awkward. Um, it was lots, lots of fresh fruit and veggies. Uh, there was beans and rice and some chicken. Pork. It was, was pork. Was it pork? Yeah. Oh. I'm well, pretty sure it was pork. It was delicious. Whatever, yeah, whatever it was. It was. <laughs> and there was there was a little band that uh, a little a little a little band with um They had like a guitar and yeah. they had a hand and a flute. There was a flute. That's, <laughs> I, that's what I was trying to think of. There was a weird instrument, it was a flute. Which I I never I never thought of Cuban music as having a flute. It was like rock flute. Yeah. Yeah, and they they played a little bit of music and they, they even played uh, Despacito. I know, they get that on the radio, that's crazy. Yeah. And it was in Spanish. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the area where the restaurant was in was part of the karst area that had the, the landscape and the, the geogra- geological forms that make this the UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, and that's, you know, that's why they made it that, because of this gorgeous landscape with the tall limestone walls that are just absolutely dripping with vegetation. Yeah, and so so after, after we finished um, at that nice little little lunch there uh we headed over to um to this cave that uh our tour guide is telling us has i guess at night they have a discotheque in there they have like strobe lights and stuff and it's just like this party thing um and it's just a cave in the side of the limestone mountain um but we stopped there so we could get up close and take a look at the actual limestone itself and see see what that looks like but while we were there a a west indian woodpecker just right past (laughs) And yeah. um, yes, didn't get a great look at it. it. It wasn't a super good look, but it was. It, it, it wasn't a Cuban green. No, it was, yeah, it was good it enough was, to identify. It, it was a West Indian woodpecker, so not not an endemic, but still still exciting. But um, then, then we got a pretty good look there at uh, Loggerhead Kingbird. So finally able to identify one of the kingbirds pretty well. 
Um, and lastly, after that, we got back on the, the bus and la- and we headed on over to the Monument de la Prehistoria, which I don't speak Spanish, so it's not as pretty. Do you know how to say it better? I, I'm terrible. You can't roll your R's? I can't do, I can't do anything very well. Me neither. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was a massive mural painted on the side of a huge limestone cliff rock face um, that describes the history of nature versus man, which... I feel so bad that the tour guide was going on and on about it. He was telling us everything, but I was too focused on trying to figure out birds. Yeah, we were staring up at the the swallows that were flying over and the swifts, and we were hoping that was something different. Yeah, and there, and there was—I think there was a northern mockingbird at that stop too. Yeah, there was, and we were trying to figure out we were hoping northern was... Bahama. Yeah, northern. Um, and so we walked up to the base uh, of the cliff and our guide was telling us all about it. And then he gave us some time to walk around and explore it by ourselves. And suddenly he put his hand up to his ear to indicate he had heard something. He yelled across the field at us to say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there's something calling. And it was the Cuban solitaire was calling. Oh yeah. And I, I got, I got so excited to find another endemic. I just ran straight over to the forest edge, right where the call was coming from. Just to see if I could see something. I wasn't able to see anything. So I, I whipped my phone out and um, opened up my uh, recording my, app. My recording app. I can't remember what it's called. My recording app. Um, and I actually got a pretty good recording, um, which that was fantastic. Um, I guess uh, here's a little snippet. But um, anyways, at, at by this point in the trip, I had realized that I'd been carrying this camera around that we have <laughs> the entire time, and I'd only taken like five pictures the whole time we were in Cuba. You and guys, I trusted him to get pictures of the landscapes and the stuff we were expecting to tell you all about, and we were experiencing so we could share this with you. But I guess I learned a lesson that I should carry the camera next time. Yeah, I guess Eric fails again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um but anyways, the, the mural was basically our last stop, and we loaded up to uh, to head back to the ship. And we were exhausted anyways. Eric and I both fell asleep for a little bit on the drive back. Yeah, and once we got once we got all the way back to the to the ship after our little nap um, on the bus, um, we did a little bit of exploring around uh, Havana's old town. Um, I'm pretty sure that we forgot to mention about the cars in Cuba. That uh, there's there was a law. That that didn't allow any citizen to own a vehicle that was newer than 1960, and so every and and also every owner had to get a permit to even buy the car in the first place. So you had to go to the government, get a license, and go to the government and get a permit to buy a car. So it's very regulated. Um, but because of the regulations on the cars, that means that every single car there, or pretty much every single car there, is classic and from the 1950s and and, and earlier. earlier. And the only exception really is like government owned vehicles like the tour buses and the vans and like the emissary vehicles and stuff like that. Those are those are newer, like brand new vehicles, but pretty much every anything a citizen owns is a classic car. Yeah, and they're all nicely kept up too. I mean, I have a car that's newer than that, and it's not nearly as nicely <laughs> kept up as theirs were. They were like fresh paint, you know, the the there are a lot of convertibles too. I mean, it's hot. Yeah. Uh, but the seats look good in them. Like, they spend a lot of time, money, I don't know, um, just just effort. They care and, a lot. Yeah, they, <laughs> they care about their cars. They, they care a lot more about their cars than we care about well, our cars. Well, that's because they're so valuable to them. And yeah. Our tour guide was saying that 
There's so many people that never own cars because they're too difficult to get. And so it's a lot of like hitchhiking to get around the countryside. We had to pick, end up picking up. Uh, yeah, we ended up picking up a guy on the bus uh, at one point. Another a bus tour operator. So it wasn't just a random yeah. guy. <laughs> but help to help him get home because his home was pretty far away from town. Yeah, it was It was like another half hour from where we picked him up. So <laughs> yeah. if, he was, if he was walking, that would, that would be the rest of the day. Right. Um, but anyways, it, like Eric said, it's really interesting to see how nicely they take care of their cars. And it's just, you know, a blast into the past looking at all of those things. It's yeah. Cool. And if, like Hannah said, they were all clean. They all had fresh coats of paint on them. Even even the ones outside of the city. When we were mm-hmm. driving through the countryside, there'd be like this, there'd be like a shack that looks like, barely looks like somebody lives there. But there'd be a car next to it that looks brand new. Oh, yeah. It would be a 1950s, but looks brand new. Yeah. It was crazy. It was weird. So the last thing for the day that we were hoping to see after, after we'd walked around old town, it started, it started to get dark. So we headed up to the ship and got dinner, got dinner, third dinner. I don't know. We, we just ate. There was a lot of eating, but um, we're hoping, hoping to see the Antillian Nighthawk still, because we're still within his range down there. Um, we stood at the front of the ship um, overlooking the city, but nothing. It eluded us again. Bummer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all in all, it was a great trip. I definitely want to go back and explore more of Cuba. It's way bigger than I thought it was, so there's a lot more to see. And also get some of those birds that we skipped out on. Uh, that prehistorium mural had some great hiking, it looked like, too, that I'd like to go back and do at some point. Oh, yeah. There were some people that were hiking way up on the they top of that They were on top. Thing. That thing yeah. was like, what, 200 feet high? I, I, it was it was tall. It was big. It was big, and they were they had hiked all the way around it. Somehow. He did it quick too, because I saw him walk up there oh, when we got there, oh, and man. we were only there for like what 15, 20 minutes. Oh, that's steep then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll repel. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we wanted to also share some tips and tricks about visiting Cuba that may be useful if you're looking to go. So we went with Norwegian Cruise Line, which is great. Uh, I think it's the only cruise going there right now. Go on it. It's like I said, it's fantastic. Lots of good food, lots of free booze, and it's generally a pretty good time. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. The food was good. The the alcohol was good. Eric had so many Bloody Marys. Yeah, and I didn't know I liked them, but apparently I do. <laughs> he found that out. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's a well-known birding guide in Cuba. Um, his name is Arturo uh, Kirk Connell. He actually wrote the field guide that we brought with us um, to the field guide to the Cuban birds um, that we brought. So we were hoping to be able to guide with him. That was one of the guides that we tried to contact, but um, he was unavailable during this visit. But um, I would recommend trying to contact him, um, Arturo Kirk Connell. Yeah, if he can't guide you, he was recommending other folks that might be able to take us. Yeah. And he'd be great at, I'm sure, recommending locations. Oh, yeah. Um, we haven't talked to him prior to doing this podcast, so I'm not sure what he's willing to do. I guess that's true. We shouldn't but, promise him to anything. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, know. <laughs> it's at least worth an email, I think. Uh, very nice guy, too. So getting to exchanging money, uh, get euros or Canadian money. There's a huge exchange fee for U.S. cash. I I think they said it was 13%. Eric read 15% um, exchange fee. So if you go in there with $100, you're going to come out with like 80, 87, 85 kooks, which uh, Cuban 
I can't remember what kook stands for. Cuban something currency. Um, (laughs) But it's much lower for euros and Canadian money. So that's what we ended up doing was getting euros and exchanging it there. And we we really didn't even need to exchange any money. We really didn't buy anything. No. Um, I just collect foreign currency. Uh, So just keep that in mind. I would exchange it into euros or Canadian money. Yeah. And uh, another thing, um, we took two different field guides with us and we actually used both of them. Um, we ordered um, the field guide to the Birds of Cuba um, by Orlando H. Garrido and Arturo Kirk Connell, the guy that we talked about just now. Um, we had already had the prior Birds to of the trip, we West had Indies. Had the Birds of the West Indies, uh, which it's a Princeton field guide. Um, the both were very useful. Yeah, they're they're both great books. Um, keep in mind that there's differences in cultures and learn about theirs. We're really not old enough to know much about, you know, the embargoes that's been going on with Cuba, the Bay of Pigs, and all those other events that were high tension between our two countries other than what we've learned in history class. And as millennial Americans, we really have a charmed life. Uh, so when our guides started talking about their rations and how you go to the grocery store at the beginning of the month and you pick up your rations and sometimes you have to supplement it with, you know, food purchases, that really hit me about how other parts of the world lived. I've never had to, I've never experienced that before. I've never talked to anybody that has to live that way before. That was just super eye-opening. Yeah, it's, it's a whole different, whole different culture. Yeah, and in addition to that whole section of culture, um, something that is often in <laughs> in other in other countries around the world is make sure to bring some toilet paper, and also be ready to pay for a little pay a little bit to be able to use the bathroom. Um, there's usually a bathroom attendant standing outside the door. Um, sometimes they have toilet paper that you can buy from them. Sometimes they just charge you because they're quote unquote working at as his bathroom as a bathroom attendant. Um, they, they'll clean the bathrooms occasionally and I guess they're keeping them safe or just making money off of them. I'm, I'm not sure, but they're, they're there all the time. Well, and also something our, I think our tour guide mentioned, or maybe they mentioned it on the ship before we got off was that not all bathrooms are going to have toilets. So if you, um, haven't traveled to maybe Asia before, you might not have experienced a I don't even know if it's called a Turkish toilet. That's what I've heard it referred to. But That's like a squatting toilet? Yeah, squatting toilet. That's what they said. So if you haven't experienced one of those before, just uh, keep that in mind that you might see one of those. We didn't. Um, but, you know, work on your, your thigh muscles. Yeah. Yeah. And please don't be afraid to go to Cuba. It's a gorgeous country. It's it's a lot like going to Mexico. And, well, I mean, it's right next to Mexico. Um, and for wildlife... <laughs> And for wildlife viewers like us, it can make a huge impact if we go. Uh, I know I've preached about this before, but the more wildlife viewers go and impact their economy, the more willing they'll be to improve habitat and make it easier for others to go. And, you know, we're going to go watch wildlife. And, you know, who... Who can hate that? <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't like the wildlife? <laughs> Who doesn't like the wildlife? But it's such a cool experience. And, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we went. Oh, yeah, definitely. So thank you all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we hope you learned something. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Nobody's done that yet except for me. Um, so please <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. If you have any other questions about our Cuban trip, please post them on our Facebook, our Instagram. Um, it's 
our Facebook is Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Our Instagram is Hannah Goes Birding. Or you can email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. You can tell us what you hated, what you liked. Um, we want to share with you. So please, you know, share with us. Uh, we'll post some of this information that we talked about on our show notes. So check those out. And yeah, we, like I said, we had a great time and we're glad we can share this with you. And please share us with your friends and help us, um, help us grow. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye.